0: All right, it is 1689 Saturday, and it's weekend, and everyone's chilled, and we're thinking theology, and Nick's with me. Let's do this. Nick
1: Cleveland Hey, man. What do you do on a Saturday morning when you wake up? I drink Guinness.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh I, I i just had to you know we're talking about christian liberty today so yep, <laughs> yeah right <laughs> it's just i want to i want to that would be pushing the bounds, right us in the morning but, yeah for lunch yeah. Fine, fine breakfast too, just too much just too much just a little too early ah uh, it's kind of kind of like a i want to tell a story about a man on the sabbath but i'm not going to uh, i think you know what i'm <laughs> yeah, you, you know the story <laughs> there's some there's some fine fine lines there that you've got to be careful uh to walk mm. so what do i do on saturday morning uh typically i would get up and actually work on my sermon and that's what i do mm. uh, even though it's my day off i try and get a little prep done just before uh the day starts just so i can relax on the saturday with the fam you know mm. just just at least gone through something once and and then uh, it doesn't really work, but it buys me some time. And then uh, towards the evening, I start, I start like, you know, just feeling the weight of it all and stop, <laughs> stop talking to people again. <laughs> you know? And I just recluse into my, into my hole and then, Crazy. you know, give birth British. on Sunday. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Labor, labor pains. Oh boy. I feel them. Uh, what do you do on Saturday morning?
1: Eggs on toast.
0: Oh, beauty. Beauty. Nice. Yeah. No Guinness? get us no. with your eggs. Wow. No, I think, yeah. Come Tabasco sauce—that's about as strong as it goes. Peppermint tea, <sighs> not for breakfast. Bro. Not for breakfast. I mean, surely that's also—it's also, it's also <laughs> just too much. Maybe for lunch, but not for breakfast. Dang. Um, alrighty. So, hey, Christian Liberty, um, chapter twenty-one. Yeah. Please open in your confession. Mm. Um, we're looking at this. Uh, this is the one you, we, everyone's been waiting for. This Christian Liberty. Really? This is the one. Now, you know what? I would like to kick this off, if that's okay. Yes,
1: yeah, sweet. Okay.
0: Um, because I do have a few awesome quotes here. And um what the thing for me that's so astounding about Christian liberty, and everyone associates it to drinking, and I have just been kidding about it and you know, tattoos and all the other taboos. Yeah. But um it really you know, it, it really wasn't that for, for the reformers or for, no. you know, it, it just was not even, they were not thinking in those terms at all. They were, and, and this is important for people to get, I think. I think it, if you get this, it almost just sets the playing field for the doctrine properly in that, um, you know, they considered, I mean, a Kelvin would consider this an appendix to justification, you know. Um yeah. Uh, something that, that goes together. You know, we spoke about the jewel of of um, salvation uh, or justification, at least with adoption. But yeah, you have something that they saw so attached to justification, uh, you couldn't conceive of having them mm. apart. Um, here's a quote from um, John Owen, uh, who called it the second principle of the Reformation. Um, wow. He, he said... Uh, uh, just uh, at least, what are we talking about? Uh, Christian liberty, the second principle of the Reformation, whereon the reformers justified their separation from the Church of Rome, was this that Christian people were not tied up unto blind obedience and to church guides. Mm. But were not only at liberty, but also obliged to judge for themselves as unto all things that they were to believe and practice in religion and the worship of God. Yeah. They knew that the whole fabric of the papacy did stand on the basis on this basis, uh, or and he puts or dunghill, uh, that the mystery <laughs> <laughs> that the mystery of iniquity was cemented by this device, namely that the people were ignorant and to be kept in ignorance, being obliged in all things unto an implicit obedience unto their pretended guides. So the whole Mm -hmm. thing he's saying there is that, you know, you're bound to superstitions and doctrines of men. And and as soon as you go along that blind obedience way, you know, that's that's basically how the whole Reformation problem, you know, was where, you know, that's why they needed a Reformation, essentially. So they saw this as, as fundamental to the whole thing. Um, amen I mean, you really and truly these guys saw this as crucially important but again you know they were thinking in gospel terms the they were thinking in terms of like we're set free from uh, you know guiltiness under the law uh, and yeah. the wrath of god and mm. uh, you know just all those sorts of things and we're delivered unto the liberty that christ brings in salvation so you know i just i feel like it's always important to start there because Definitely. It does definitely have application to things like beards and tattoos and stuff, but um, you know, at the end of the day, that's just to move it in that direction and see that as being the sum total of the whole thing is tragic.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it, the way I understand it is, it's basically the practical outworking of sola scriptura.
0: Yeah. Oh, amen. If,
1: if God is, uh, if God rules us through His Word, then Christian liberty is—you know—that's how we protect god's Mm. right to rule us by his word
0: Mm, mm, totally yeah i mean and 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 really that's what we're insisting if 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 god well you know what what owen was saying there you know we we are obliged to to see these things in the word ourselves um and keep our consciences free from those things that would be imposed that's why the charismatic movement and christian liberty i think probably are the most relevant things to talk about today uh you know um alongside, you know, the obvious ongoing Roman Catholic thing and whatnot, because I feel like there is a dangerous, um, I mean, typically anyone you talk to coming out of the charismatic movement, and, you know, maybe it's it's wise to distinguish charismatic from continuationist or whatever, but, you know, those who have essentially heard a lot of prophecies and felt bound by them. Yeah, and, you know, the I New mean,
1: Catholic Reformation.
0: Yeah, I mean, those guys are honestly, they, they, there's a process of healing as they come in to understand, yeah, we talk about cessationism but really they understand the doctrine of Christian liberty you know and the sufficiency of scripture and mm-hmm. that's really what heals them you know it, it, they, they get to loose themselves of, of all the stuff that you know the the guys writing this confession would really loose themselves in terms of Rome's superstition so yeah. same principle though
1: mm, I mean this this, this chapter has come to mean so much more to me. Since our church got involved with people coming out of Gloria Vale.
0: Oh, wow, totally.
1: Because, I mean, basically, the people in Gloria Vale were under spiritual abuse and spiritual bondage with heavy shepherding. Mm. You know, basically, it's a Roman Catholic church without, you know, it's got its own pope. It's got the same view of implicit faith. It's got all the commandments of men. It's got a sacramentalist view. It's got a, there is no distinction between visible and invisible church. Mm-hmm. And so the same control through fear. Um, mm. Yeah, it's all the same.
0: Yeah. Oh, wow. Totally. That's totally relevant there. Uh, I can imagine that being huge. So, yeah, I imagine you've been preaching a lot of liberty. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Thing is, like, Christ has, as this is in the confession, Christ has purchased this liberty uh, for us. You know, there is a, Christ has purchased for all believers a liberty inherent in the gospel. And that's yep. crazy. You know, that shows what a gospel issue it is. Amen. Yeah.
1: So I thought maybe we should have a look at chapter, uh, paragraph two. I mean, paragraph mm-hmm. one is absolutely astounding mm-hmm. as it comes to the issue of uh, how the gospel has set us free. Mm-hmm. But I thought chapter two really just nails um, the conscience and the sola scriptura aspect.
0: Yeah, good. So
1: we'll have to come back to paragraph one uh, another day. Totally,
0: man. And you could spend a long time on the three chapters oh, yeah. and three, <laughs> three big, three times. Maybe we'll do three on, the, on this. You know.
1: Well, when I preached through the 1689, I preached three sermons, one on each paragraph. So,
0: wow, what were you doing preaching the 1689,
1: bro? Yeah, well, uh, that's what we do. We preach the word of men in our congregation, don't you? <laughs> okay. Like, I mean, <laughs> so we have an evening service our evening service is so our morning service is what, what you would traditionally find expository preaching mm-hmm. and uh, all the means of grace present the evening service we do have an evening service we mix it up so it can be more lecture format mm-hmm. uh, i've gone through the book of revelation with a bit of questions and answers i'm busy doing my apologetic series in the evening and i've done the 1689 in the evening as well
0: mm, very cool yeah we used to do something like we, we called the theology thursday and, yeah, uh, we did something like that. Yeah, good. All right, so so we're going to read this thing
1: paragraph two. Yeah, let's just read it and then we can uh, just pull out what's what's relevant. All right, All right so here it is: mm. God alone is Lord of the conscience. So maybe just t- to take it back to the historical context, mm. you know, the, the reformers looked at those who were trying to bind the conscience, mm-hmm. and there was the devil through mm-hmm. our sin, mm-hmm. there was the Roman Catholic Church. Um, And there was the civil authority of, you know, King Henry and all the others who tried to rule.
0: Mm. So
1: it was a fight for God alone to be the Lord of the conscience in the midst of these other enemies.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And Mm. and
1: it says, God alone is Lord of the conscience and has left it free from the doctrines and commandments of men, Mm. which are in anything contrary to his word or not contained in it. And mm-hmm. that not contained in it is very important because yeah. Yeah, it's uh, those things that are necessarily inferred from Scripture. It's, mm-hmm. it's 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 giving a nod to the fact that we're not uh, proof texters who only take the wording of Scripture. You know, we're not biblical minimalists. There yeah. are things that are necessarily implied. And so whether in principle or precept, yeah, um, uh, the, the commandments of men yes. are out. And, and I'm, I don't know about you, but as a pastor, this for me is something I've stressed.
0: hmm
1: you know, the the authority that we have as elders, it's declarative, not legislative. Right. We can only bind the consciences of God's people by what the Word of God says, not because I as an elder say so.
0: Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, so, I mean, know, there is often a, a difficult, intrinsic sort of merge that happens. So you think about like the the old preachers and, you know, toward the end of their ministry and they've preached the Word faithfully. So many years, and they gain a sense of gravitas, and you know, probably probably extends to you know past that strict definition. But it's it's true. <laughs> Ultimately, it's coming from this. You know, it's it's only because they've preached the word faithfully over those years that they, they would gain that sense of authority anyway. But yeah, amen. Uh, it's it's so important. Otherwise, you end up with um, some real abuse of power, one way or another. Yeah. You can have a you can have a Roman Catholic church scenario in a independent Baptist church. Bottom line.
1: Well, that's that's what happened in Valley. Yeah, right. Neville Cooper uh, changed his name to Hopeful Christian. Mm-hmm. And he saw himself um, as one of the stars in God's right hand. So just as the Apostle Paul was called, he told his people hmm. that he had been called by God in the same way. And what what he did is he pointed to an airplane crash that he survived. Uh, that miracle as a proof of God's call upon his life. Wow! And so he basically then said, well, God has called me. You have to listen to me. Mm. And then he went and he took the Anabaptist principles that he had learned about, and he forced them on a group of people saying, this is God's Word, mm. and you have to listen to it. Mm. And then once he built up the structure of Gloria vale, what, what the way that decisions were often made, let's for, say, for example, you want to get married. Mm-hmm. Uh, there'd be two or three people that aren't related to you bloodline-wise that might be options. Mm-hmm. You've got to go away and pray about it. But the el- what, the, what the, the shepherds or the elders do is they go away, they pray, and they believe that the Holy Spirit reveals the, the mind of God to them in their agreement. And if you come back with a different name, you've got to go away and think about it some more. Wow. Because God has <laughs> spoken.
0: Yeah.
1: And uh, wow. <clears throat> so this is, this is like, like, like you say the charismatic thing. Yeah. So that's, that's the problem of the charismatic church. Mm. It's a problem of authority.
0: Brilliant. Yeah, where are they getting from? It's, it's so intertwined with sufficiency of Scripture and uh, you know the Christian liberty thing. It's it's just um, you know where are we where are we drawing those lines at the end of the day? And, and it's in the Word, or that which is not contained in it. I mean, um, uh, or that which is contained in it. You know, we yeah. we, we need to know yeah. that it is. Yeah. Yeah. So going on then, next sentence. Yeah. So that
1: to believe such doctrines or obey such commands out of conscience. Hmm. Is to betray true liberty of conscience, mm. and the requiring of an implicit faith, an absolute and blind obedience, is to destroy liberty of conscience and mm.
0: reason also. Yeah, let's talk about the Roman Catholic thing there. Yeah. yeah. So
1: let's let's talk about implicit faith for a moment because mm. it's it's given here and it's a technical term, mm-hmm. and what it means is, so implicit faith was that faith. So you don't know everything that you need to believe as a Christian. Mm -hmm. And especially back at the time of the Reformation, you probably couldn't even read or write. You wouldn't have had access to a Bible. The priests were supposed to have been those who knew what the church believed. And so you had to put your trust in the church to believe the faith for you. Mm -hmm. And so you you put your trust in the church. So that's implicit faith. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's the definition of implicit faith. So what happens is you're not putting your faith... In God who rules you through His Word. You're putting your trust in another man who's standing as a mediator, not Christ, between you and God. And your conscience is not being bound by the Lord, who's the Lord of the conscience, Mm. but you're giving it to a man. You're giving the throne of God, your conscience, to a man. Yeah. And that's, that's to destroy liberty of conscience. Yeah, totally. Because the, the whole point of liberty is, you know, what, what is, what's the difference between Christian definitions of liberty and worldly definitions of liberty? You know, the, yeah. the world yeah. says liberty is that libertarian view where mm. my desire and my right and my will is supreme. Mm-hmm. But we recognize that we are created by God, and liberty is not, I'm not set free to do whatever I want but i am set free from satan's sin death popes and kings mm-hmm. to do what god wants yeah. yeah when i'm doing what i'm made for then i'm truly free
0: yeah totally yeah that's huge absolutely and again that sort of tucks into the abuse of liberty which we'll get to in a second i'm sure but um, yeah. yeah absolutely that's that's so, a so let
1: me give you an example of this you know mm-hmm. in in gloravale basically what happens is this so you, there's there's always conflict between the husbands and the wives um Theology is poo-pooed in there. You're not, you know, you basically you've just got to listen to what the elders say. With the elders say it, they're speaking the voice of God into your life. The elders tell you who to marry, the mm. elders tell you how to live, the elders tell you how to raise your kids. A lot of guys, and it, it tends to be in the guys more than the ladies, tend to struggle with this. They have questions, they want to be the heads of their own homes. They they start reading other literature, they they come across different theologies and they start to raise questions and they're told to just submit. Mm. And what they're actually told is this, the elders will be held accountable to to God. Mm. You know, believe us and allow us to take your accountability to God for you. If we make the mistake, that's our fault, but it won't be your fault. So you can just do whatever we say.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy, you know, isn't it? I've, I've come across when, like, when
1: I when I see those words, blind obedience, mm, absolute mm. obedience, obey them and everything, and blind obedience, yeah. Do, obey even though you don't know whether it's true or not.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's Whenever terrible. anyone is in a situation like that, and you know they just need to run. I mean, the bottom line is that that is just yeah, it's just so anti-gospel at every level. Um, another another thing that's ironic that you know has occurred to me a few times recently is that. You know, when you have churches with strong traditions, and it might not be Roman Catholic strong, or even just with that, you know, surrounding sort of dogma. But um, often there's a functional kind of blind obedience that happens in and even when with respect to like, reformed doctrine, so it might be reformed orthodoxy or reformed dogma involved and i think of south africa for example where it just gets handed down from one generation to another and it just gets yeah. dogmatically sort of passed on uh, to the covenant children and that sort of thing and um and you know when it comes time they confirm it and when, and when you actually start talking to anyone about what they believe or why they believe it they're just blindsided because yeah. um you know they haven't they've just it's not an it's not a technical implicit faith but it comes very close in that they they are essentially saying well someone believed it somewhere along the line and it was true then so yeah. We just basically trust that it's true as uh, now. Exactly, I'm
1: doing it because it's always been done. I'm believing it because that's what everyone believes.
0: Yeah, and you know, I mean, as far, if I'm not mistaken, it, in some spheres of the Cyprian tradition, you know, where you really had that emphasis on external sort of. Um, ascent to faith being the litmus test for a redemption of a nation. So you know, is it a Christian nation or not? Well, does it essentially, you know, is it Orthodox? Does it give its assent to orthodoxy? You, know, you had you had that whole sort of seeping influence end up where people are just, yeah, you know, as, as long as we're, you know, it's again, it's a little bit different from implicit faith in Roman Catholic terms, but it's just so dangerously close. And even when it's the right doctrine, it's still wrong. You know what I mean? It's still, it's still not yeah. to be approached that way, um, which is important to consider as well. Maybe a little bit closer to home for a lot of people. Mm, no mm. Yeah. Good. That was paragraph
1: two. Yeah. Uh,
0: so we've got to say something about beards and tattoos though. We can't leave them hanging. Oh, You know what, uh, you what do you want to say? I don't know. What do you want to say? I
1: don't know. What do you want to I've say? I've
0: got beards and tattoos.
1: <laughs> I've got a beard. <laughs>
0: i mean i don't know yeah okay well i mean what what we're saying maybe this is just without getting to a whole new thing the way it does at this level at least relate to things that are perhaps of people's opinion and uh preferences is and you know and there's another angle you could approach this from as well but just keeping it to this discussion um Hmm. you know if someone comes along and says listen you know this is a bad thing you shouldn't do this um, you know, again, we've just got to say what saith the word. And it's, if it's in there, and you know, it's, it's not good enough just to like quote a proof text from Leviticus. Uh, you actually have to, you know, be able to substantiate that, you know, the Bible teaches this. And if it does, then, you know, that's it. That's the end of it. Everyone sort of. Exactly. Everyone, everyone gets in line but if it can be properly established that listen it's in the gray area or it's a matter of preference or there are other principles that govern it, and this is kind of not what we're getting into right now in this show but um you know if it can be established that that is the case then it, it's important although it might not be a big issue in and of itself it's it, the big issue is not to just simply blindly follow some random um tradition of men that's essentially been add, added onto the word and bringing you into the same sort of bondage, um, uh, that, that is, uh, being described here. And, you know, at that level, it becomes, a um, for freedom, Christ has set us three free thing. And, 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 you know, I often feel like that is the case for me just in, um, um, you know, in a place like Wellington, you know, wanting to get out there with with the gospel and, uh, plant a church and reach people. And you do unfortunately have a lot of, conservative christians coming in with a lot of baggage and uh they do without often trying to or, or meaning to they they impede this thing uh that we've been talking about or they they um they at least become dangerously close to forming a um a liberty of issue a liberty of conscience problem in the church um if if it be allowed to just carry on unchecked and so I feel like it's not so much that getting tattoos is a good thing, but but just the presence of tattoos that allow for a discussion around this issue is is often helpful and leads to a good culture and a and a, a word centeredness and being bound to the word only. And so that's often where it does come into play. Same thing with the other uh, the taboo, you know, things drinking. I don't know. Can't think of anything. Not feeling very creative other than that. Tattoos and drinking. <laughs> <laughs> All I got today. But you know what I mean? Um, the, they are yep, helpful 100%. at that level. Um, but so, I mean, yeah. the
1: bottom line just the application of the Christian liberty is this if, the, if it is not clearly taught from God's word, then you don't allow it to bind your conscience.
0: That's, that's the a, bottom line. That's just the bottom line.
1: And uh, well, I would say that when it comes to tattoos, that, mm. that that scripture from Leviticus 19 is not talking about ink pigment under the skin for… Um, You know, cosmetic purposes. That's not what it's talking about. It's it's talking about uh, all sorts. There are a couple of different options. It could be uh, imitating the fertility rites of the Egyptians who who had tattoos along Mm -hmm. their thighs Mm -hmm. to create fertility. Mm -hmm. It could be talking about Canaanite practices of Mm -hmm. trying to uh, change your appearance so Mm -hmm. that you wouldn't be haunted by the dead. Um, But so I would say principles principles that relate to what cosmetic choices we make are the principles that would apply when it comes to tattoos
0: right and there are principles and we're not giving a sort of universal green light for any tattoo you know there are other things to talk about and you know probably it probably is a good idea not to get a tattoo at the end of the day um but the, the the bottom line is it's just you know insofar as the the issue relates to to this you just have to make sure that it's not a not a blindly driven fundamentalist thing. I mean, that cripples the church ultimately when that happens. Yes, amen. Um, and know.
1: so yes, we we need to continue ringing the bell. We need to continue, you know, protecting Christian liberty from the commandments of men. It's not only a Roman Catholic problem. Yeah, it's that's a true. Problem. It's a Baptist problem. It's a Presbyterian problem. It's 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 a problem that lies in in the human heart.
0: Yeah. Amen. That's a great way to. End it off, and it's the thing that Christ died for—to you know, get us away from our own human hearts in that regard. So, yeah, it's—it's it's something to take seriously. That's a good place to leave it. Amen. Cool. Amen. Thanks for joining me, man. Cheers, man.